And welcome to this special edition of Vegan Family Podcast, now brought to you by Animal Outlook, formerly Compassion Over Killing. How are you, Cheryl? I'm good over here for my social distancing perch. Yes, I know. (laughs) Well, we're all surviving, right? Which is great. Whenever I talk about the challenges, which is, of course, what we'll talk about in this episode of uh, social distancing and homeschooling and all of what's sort of been thrust into our lives very unexpectedly, um, I always start by saying we are healthy, and I'm hoping your family is healthy as well. Yes, yes. I, you know, I, that's always like sort of the lead line is kind of we're healthy, you know, we're just sort of everything else is, um, you know, Secondary. Topic. Yeah. I know, exactly. Like not a- so I did want to say, um, you know, as you'll hear in the intro, we're about to run. Um, Compassion Over Killing is now Animal Outlook. Uh, earlier in uh, this year, in January, in fact, we changed our name after a little over a decade or so, maybe two decades of thinking about doing it. Give us the elevator pitch, please, Cheryl, because you were there for most of the process leading up to the actual name change. How do you feel about it? How have you feel it's been received? Yeah, and I'll say, I mean, I know that this took over your life. Um, <laughs> so much of this process so um you know that is kind of the the reason for the gap between the last episode and this one but i think um you know i really appreciate kind of all the work that went into it on your end from a kind of visual point of view um i think that it was it was time it's our 25th anniversary that's right we are um you know doing a lot of the same work that we have a tradition of doing and that we have sort of a, a record of doing effectively, Mm -hmm. um, trying to continue to make the world vegan. I think looking back at, you know, when I started this organization, the idea that veganism would be as popular as it is would have been completely unreasonable. That's a great point. Um, You know, we we had kind of just started doing undercover investigations um, in the way that we are sort of still doing them, although the impact and the uh, kind of breadth of exposure that they're getting and people the level of engagement is something that really has increased um over the years and and i am really kind of proud of our investigations team and the ability for them to um you know get this stuff out into the public eye which is which is no small feat yeah um we're able to do other um kind of ways to approach how to address the issues of industrial animal agriculture um, on the on the supply side so getting restaurants um, major food corporations etc to provide more vegan options to essentially make veganism um, much more again mainstream yeah. easier to do it and tangibly kind of reduce what um, animal products are being produced you yeah. know and, and to kind of replace that with a vegan um, paradigm, you know, being able to say, okay, you know, it is realistic to say we are switching and this yeah. is a new kind of looking at things, which I think if we looked at the world 25 years ago, that was a different world. Yeah, it's and so even true. Years ago, yeah. You know, yeah, you know, the three brand is sort of part of that kind of this like coming into the mainstream, being able to sort of, you know, be a little more kind of focused and strategic in our work and our messaging and our approach and be able to, um, can be a little more grown up um and and it is hand in hand with 
the, the cultural changes yeah. um, that we've done for so long along with, you know, so many others in the movement and individual advocates and stuff. So I think, you know, it basically sort of it was time. And here we are. And, you know, I'm really excited kind of about the way it looks and about, you know, what we've got planned for the organization. Totally. Um, actually kind of doubling down on the things that um, we can really kind of add value to in this in this movement. We have a whole new outlook. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> so with that, we will be right back to talk more about um, what's happening in the world. It's time for Animal Outlook's Vegan Family Podcast with your hosts, Eric C. Lindstrom and Cheryl Leahy. And we're back. Yes. So um, we are recording this episode on April 1st. Happy April Fool's Day. Um, it's also in the midst of, in the middle of, probably in the beginning of, who knows, um, this new lifestyle that we've all sort of been uh, forced to adapt to. And that is, um, in our case, you know, as parents, homeschooling is having the kids um, out of school uh, with, because of social distancing, because of the coronavirus and all of what's happening worldwide. Um, doing our part to flatten the curve. And again, in this episode, I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot of the challenges that you and I have been facing um, and ways to overcome them and still maintain a vegan lifestyle. Yeah, and I think the vegan element of it sort of adds um, some kind of interesting content to this. But of of course, you know, we keep hearing that we're all in this together. Um, You know, it is a really universal experience that people are having it's the only topic you know that people know. are thinking about and want to talk about right now because it's such a major shift and none of us in anyone's lifetime is you know currently alive has really experienced something like this before um so you know certainly i felt some some solidarity when i read some of these like sort of parenting blogs or think pieces about how crazy it is i know <laughs> Um, but, you know, the, the, the whole kind of sociological phenomenon of, okay, you have to work, you know, you have to keep things <laughs> going. Right. more challenging, you know, too, yeah. because you have to sort of just, um, in that time, and I, and, you know, there, there, that issue itself could take up, you know, many hours of conversation in terms of, of course. you know, who's going to work and kind of um, keeping things running and, and healthcare workers and grocery store workers and kind of, you know, that whole topic and the ethical issues and practical <laughs> issues that go into that and then um you know people whose jobs are eliminated or in the you know i know in fast to be eliminated and then people who can work from home and what that's like i mean this, this whole thing is so um sort of massive in its in its impact and potential impact and then there's the bigger topic i think that's more relevant to this podcast which is how does this apply to families you yeah. know and how does this apply it's... to um, you know, your interaction with your kids, your interaction with your partner, like, you know, it's just kind of, um, it's so, it's so true. stories and, and a big picture sort of global phenomenon at the same time. Yeah. All of what you say is so relevant and without, um, going too far down this path, um, I do want to go on record as saying that all of what you mentioned is very stressful for everyone involved. It's not just, the adults of the household who, as you say, need to both manage their careers, uh, their work hours with now finding themselves homeschooling experts, as well as sous chefs and uh, short order cooks all day long. Um, there's just the stressfulness of 
how each family member is sort of um, dealing with or trying to um, figure out what's happening. And I'll tell you, for me, I mean, our kids on this end of the call are seven and five. And so Cooper is in first grade and Paisley is in kindergarten. And Cooper's really good at his homework. Um, he fires through it way too quickly, considering we have a whole day to fill, you know, of, of on and off uh, homeschooling. So there's that stress. And then there's Paisley, who's in kindergarten, who, while I think the academics of kindergarten have uh, significantly changed since I was uh, brought up to just not fight with other kids, you know, play well with others, um, she does have her homework and she's very, very smart, but she's also extremely like tuned into what's happening about not seeing her friends anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell uh -huh. you, you're probably seeing this with your own two kids. There are moments where she'll turn to me and say, um, we can't do that because of the virus. And she'll say, I can't see my friends because of the virus. And these are moments, um, as you had said, about the world all coming together and we're all in this together. These are moments that we on this call and others listening are not going to actually process that we lived through. It sounds like a, a movie. It sounds like a script for a movie when an adorable five-year-old girl turns and says, I can't see my friends because of the virus. And that's where we are right now. Totally. And it's funny because, you know, and I keep thinking about these sort of dystopian yeah. fictional things. And then, you know, last night, um, trying to get like our, you know, we have all these Google assistants in our house, um, and trying to get like, you know, the lights turned off and the TV and like, it's even connected to like the water and stuff. And, uh, Google started like sort of glitching out, oh, no. and, <laughs> you know, giving us a, uh, definition of Google, like Google is a company that like, Oh you know, my gosh. Like, it had its own virus. <laughs> I was like, now I'm in two dystopian realities. Like, you know, I know, like, like you know, there's all this uh, debate over everybody switching to Zoom and, like, are there privacy yeah, issues there? Yeah. Like, much, you know, now the world has gone totally virtual. Like, I know. <laughs> it's just so future am I living in right now. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly right. Like, we have to process it as such a small, like, zoomed-in focus yeah. that we are not even kind of, you know, realizing until it's all said and done and we all kind of tumble through you know, the process and uh, what it's actually going to, the impact is actually going to be. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's, you know, that's like sort of the necessary kind of blinders we have to have on to some degree as parents because we have to keep things functional yeah, and moving. It's true. Yeah, you know? And that's a whole other thing is that not only do we need to juggle careers, work, home life, all of the chores associated with, with home ownership, and now homeschooling on top of everything else, we also need to be there for them, for the kids, and for fellow family members who may be struggling. You know, it's, there's an awful lot of weight on everyone right now. And I think that, um, you know, part of what I try to um, figure out on my end to figure out how to do it is that balance, is being able to say, there's only so much we can do. And here's actually a great segue, if you don't mind, for me to sort of go down the, the food path for a minute, the vegan food. Um, since you and I last spoke, I was about to embark into a Whole Foods plant-based retreat, which was four days uh, in the woods. Turns out it was me and 17 women, um, all <laughs> spending these days meditating, um, complete silence. You weren't allowed to talk at all and eating nothing but a Whole Foods plant-based diet. And for our listeners, 
especially for me, for my sort of reputation as a uh, self-proclaimed junk food vegan, a whole foods plant-based diet are, is just as it sounds. You're eating the whole foods. And in this case, you're also not eating oil. Uh, any salt is limited, and it's, of course, sea salt. So it's a very, very healthy diet. And so I actually, Cheryl, during this retreat, had the epiphany that I've been waiting for. I sat there in this meditative uh, room. They had a special like sanctuary that was in the middle of the woods. It was winter still. It was very cold. And I sat there on this heated floor and I said, I can't do this anymore. I can't, um, I can't, be, I can't be cruel to my body with junk food, right? Because I'm notorious for French fries and, and vegan mayo and Beyond Burgers and everything that sort of makes me feel happy. It makes me feel great about being vegan is because I've never really given up anything, right? I can eat a whole pizza still. It's just a vegan pizza. And so I, I had this epiphany and I've made connection with all of these, um, you know, people in the, in the retreat with me. We stayed in touch via email. I went out and I, I bought all these ball jars to put cut up vegetables in. I was making my own salad dressings out of cashew cream. I was like all in. In, uh-huh. in eight days, I lost 12 pounds and nice. felt fantastic. Like it was just like, this is what I need to do. And I felt like I'm finally excited about something again. Like this is really the progress is one thing. I wasn't going there for weight loss. All that's very nice. I was going there to just like understand that I couldn't at my age continue to eat the way I was eating. And then this happened. Mm-hmm. And that sort of brings us up to speed on what we in our household right now are on our 17th day of um, of social distancing, our 17th day of the four of us staying in our house. Um, I've only made two trips to the stores wearing gloves and, and, a, and a mask. And so in the past 17 days, I've I've gained back eight pounds. Well, you know, it's funny because I, we didn't like talk ahead of time about talking about this, <laughs> but when this all started and it kind of looked like, you know, some of these restrictions are going to be coming down. One of the first things I did was like, yeah, I'll get the full fat oatmeal milk in my tea. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. It's like, this is like pandemic time. It's like evolutionarily. Exactly. That you're going to try to. You know, I think that's a that's a great way to put uh, it. You you and I talked about that with before I went to the retreat. You said about um, uh, not so much foraging, but about you know, there's no such thing really as emotional eating. You're just eating when your body is needing, you know, extra calories, or eating when your body needs carbs, or eating when your body needs, you know, X, Y, and Z. So you you know what you're doing. You're filling your body with with fuel that it's asking for. And I was doing that with all really good, cut up, you know, prepared, beautiful vegetables and fruits and felt great. And then this is where, and if if the listeners take anything away from this call, I would say, um, be kind to yourself and allow yourself uh, to do what you need to do. Uh, and quite frankly, to get through this, right? Like you can't, you can't yeah. add you that extra during a pandemic. Like that's totally Taunts. not required. exactly, <laughs> exactly. Of all of the things that are coming from whether it be the government, your local, uh, regional or national, you know, in, uh, federal government, all of the tips that are coming down, they've never once said don't eat potato chips. <laughs> like <laughs> just you know, enjoy. And so again, I, I it was a, a long way to get there, but that's kind of a, a good segue for. What are you doing in your household now uh, with your two kids, uh, your husband? You have how many companion animals? You have a dog? I do have one dog. Yeah. 
Um, two children, two adults in that in the house. Yep. <laughs> because I've made myself a little um, van office. Like I <laughs> love it. Set up as an office because I like you know I I don't do it every day because we have to sort of juggle between us. But mm-hmm. um, you get the most know, done. I, yeah. I work to get the work done. Um, but you know, there's been like some fun things. You know, one thing that that we always play with the kids at night um, is thorns and roses, which is like you know what happened today that you didn't like, what happened today that you did like, uh-huh. and then they've added all these other pieces to it. They they have like flowers and daisies and rainbows, and, like all these things about like what do you want to happen in the future, and like what did you kind of like, but it wasn't great. <laughs> right. um, so I almost like thinking about this conversation, like I'm thinking kind of that way, like thorns and roses. So there's things that obviously have been challenging, but there's also things that are like kind of fun um to see and like you know ways that i've like seen you know my children like i know my own children i think but um (laughs) this this total kind of lack of structure um and lack of like what we would normally be doing you know going out and you know interacting with other people and whatever going to museums or libraries or disneyland or you know whatever um you know they just kind of have the, the four walls like sort of literally and metaphorically yeah. to to figure out what to do with themselves and it's just kind of fun to see i will say um when this all started like a couple weeks ago when it all started to kind of really get real right became real to um, us yep. i i could i realized like how just being cooped up in the house was causing them to just honestly just kind of like bug each other more like wrestle and like you know sure jump again evolution <laughs> And um, what I did was I had them um, come up, like we, like I had a little like family meeting and had them like come up with rules of things that they thought we should all, you know, be doing, which is funny because my four-year-old who's much more sort of orderly in his personality really likes this whole thing. So he sat on my lap so he could be like at the head of the table and kind of like take over the meeting. Um, and he laid out some rules like, you know, be nice to stuff and to each other. And then I said, like, okay, well, how about we include, like, you know, don't wrestle anybody who, you know, you haven't asked if it's okay if you can touch them. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, no, like, hitting. And then, of course, you know, my six-year-old's like, no throwing metal things at people. <laughs> Actually, how about just no throwing things right. at people? <laughs> so we got through this whole, like, list, and I wrote everything down, what everybody said. Like, we all went, went around and, like, made some rules and stuff. And then I had them go through... Um, you know, I had them write their name, and, and my six-year-old was like, well, what if I don't like one of the rules? Because one of the rules was, like, get your schoolwork done, like, during the day so that it doesn't just drag out forever and ever. Because he's a kid who's, like, very socially motivated. Like, mm-hmm. he does not see the point. If he's not going to see his teacher or his friends, like, of getting of being on yeah, track. Yeah. Like, I kind of get it. Like, right? Like, this is, like, what is the point of this? Like, I you know. know. So um, that was in there, and there's, you know, a number of other ones like that. So, um it was funny though because he agreed to all i was reading them through and there was if he liked the rule he would say ding and if he didn't like the rule he would say wah wah and then (laughs) at the end of it though a lot of the ones he didn't like like he was still willing to sign for the only one that he was that he wrote his name next to as like i am not signing for this one is um the one that the four-year-old put on there which was find the coronavirus and throw it at the sun oh my gosh (laughs) Which apparently was just too much for yep. the six-year-old. He was not, he was not willing to commit to that one. 
Um, but still since then, like, you know, I'll pick up the list or they'll ask me to pick up the list because it's like, they get down there, like, eat oatmeal for breakfast. And I have to be like, remember we thought we were going to eat oatmeal for breakfast? Yeah. Uh, so that we go back in and kind of read through it, which is like kind of fun. So, so what are you eating? What is it like to, um, have to prepare three meals a day, vegan meals a day? And what, you know, are you feeling like they're eating better that they're home? from school you know take me through sort of what well, we... I don't know if it's really all that different except like the fridge is always there you know like they're grazing um, more you know i normally would be making them lunches every day for the next yeah that's day true anyway. yeah um so we got the pressure cooker doing the oatmeal in the morning um my husband does that and then we have bags and bags and bags of frozen fruit so big difference with like trying to, to really space out your grocery trip um and because of course you have like you know there's not a lot of stuff at the store yeah um is stuff that's more uh shelf stable or frozen yeah. and that's not normally how we we're, like we're, we're like a family that eats a lot of fruits and vegetables so it's not it's like that's a little bit of an adjustment but definitely like you know oh oh Obviously, like, you can really go, that's a sort of a cheap and um, shelf-stable thing to do. And then and then you can put, like, we have frozen, right now we've got frozen mangoes, frozen cherries, blueberries, mixed berries, strawberries, peaches, like, you know, and they just kind of pick what they want on there. Um, that's great. And that's cool. And then, like, you know, there are um, frozen, like, we've got frozen vegetables, greens, beans, and we got a lot of, like, canned stuff. Um, so, you know, that, that's a little bit of an adjustment for us. Like it's hard to totally avoid, you know, the overly processed stuff. But again, we're not really like super, um, worried about that right now. You know, it's like, yeah, if you want to eat the, you know, ramen or whatever, like (laughs) have it, Um, have at it. Yeah. I mean, what it is, it becomes, is just the food just becomes like a distraction because it's like, well, it's something to do. So, you know, kind of taking away like, like, I mean, like food and screens become the thing that could just take up the whole day. Yep. But what's kind of nice is if you're like, no, 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 like, you know, you ate, (laughs) Um, then they really are playing together. I mean, because we both have to work, like they really, it really has clicked into like kid world. You know, like right. I hear them saying, I hear the older ones saying stuff that like I will say sometimes, and I'm like, you don't even normally like listen to me when I say this. <laughs> yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure if this is a good thing yet. By the way, Sorry. I'm not Sorry. sure it's a good. I'm not sure if it's a good thing that the world is being taken over by children. <laughs> That's what it feels like on my end. Um, yeah, it totally is being taken over like, because they, they're the ones who then have to just figure out like how to you know manage their day. But what it reminds me of is like you know I had a bunch of siblings growing up. Like, that feeling of being, like, you're in kid world, like, adults are kind of arm's length away, you know, they're doing their own thing, like, they're you know, whatever, you kind of have the kids to sort of come up with what to do, work stuff out, like, you're sort of talk things through, you know, and I I, kind of always felt like, okay, well, two kids only isn't really going to click into that. I kind of feel like that starts happening, like, when you have three um, but I'm really seeing that now. That's like new. I mean, part of it is they're just barely old enough to kind of leave them to their own devices. I mean, they're still messing up the house. They're right. still like, right. you know, they need things. But for the most part, like it is cool to see them 
um, you know, come up with a really elaborate, like, pretend play or play with Legos for a long time or, you know, build some, you know, fort or picnic setup or, you know, whatever it is that they're Getting through their day, yeah, yeah. So our, our meals, our breakfast is similar to yours where oatmeal is almost always on the um, agenda. We are eating, um, because we suddenly fell in love with it in the house, just egg, um, which will make, you know, a quick little fold-over kind of omelet for the kids. Um, And cereal is a big one, you know, with um, one kid drinks the almond milk, one drinks the soy. And then um, bagels, we found, you know, one of our bagel shops nearby has only like a three or four ingredient bagel, which is delicious. And tofuti cream cheese on that. And then some of those Trader Joe's everything but the bagel sprinkles, which makes them extremely happy. I'm not ordering anything. Hi, Cooper. Um, So, you know, that's sort of the morning. And then um, lunch could be, uh, you know, again, like you said, we pack them for school anyway. So peanut butter and jelly sandwich or... Now we can make pasta because it can be a hot lunch. You know, things that, as you say, um, get them uh, nourished and get us through our day and fill some of that time that, you know, we are now uh, forced, subjected to fill during our day. And then dinner, I was making dinner every night anyway. So right around 4.30 or 5, I get started on some simple dinner uh they're fed by six and then we start the bath routine around six thirty. so you know in uh as you can tell i don't know if the listeners could uh, get a sense of what was happening because this is a podcast but during that uh, monologue i just did um the older kid cooper came downstairs was bouncing a very big ball around uh no thought i was ordering food um and then just took off i think he's going outside for some uh air you know outside air time which again we also have to factor in right we can't just mm-hmm. let the kids mm-hmm. sit around indoors as much as um that could be tempting at times uh they need fresh air and they need to get out and run around so you know that's sort of like our our days um i'll ask you a, a quick question on how you've been shopping and then I'll let you know what we've done on this end so far yeah I've been trying to um you know obviously avoid going into the grocery stores as much as possible I did have to go like get Advil the other day um and I went into Rite Aid which was kind of the most like sci-fi sort of experience um which was like to pick up one thing, right? One guy who worked there, you know, in a mask, walking like sort of. I'm going to use the word lurking around the store, <laughs> um, and then no, I saw no one else. And then um, I was like standing over by like the refrigerated drink section, and this this customer just sort of popped his head out and then disappeared really quickly. Seems <laughs> when he saw me. Um, like kind of how you expect if like there was like some feral cat, you know. And it like, sounds like a Wes Anderson uh, movie. <laughs> very strange. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, no, we're trying to just kind of keep the interactions minimal. So I'll, I'll make a big grocery list. But then when we go to the store, you know, that I hope will like kind of keep us for a couple of weeks. Like we have yeah. a lot of rights that we can sort of sustain. Um, yeah. You know, we, we kind of normally do. Like we kind of normally are, you know people who buy like very large bags of rice um and oats and you know beans and that kind of stuff but yeah like i i did do a whole foods delivery 
which did not like I kept getting all these like there needs to be a substitution right, here. Right. Um so that was more for some of the like more vegan specialty items. You know, I got some Miyoko's cheese, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, some cashew yogurt. Um, but it, for the most part, you know, we're we're trying to kinda of keep it as spaced out as we can. Yeah, we, I've gone out twice. I've become the designated um, uh, person to leave the house. I'm the only one who has left the house for errands so far. And when I say leave the house, we do live on a, um, not so much a cul-de-sac, but it's like a, uh, it's called, it's a circle, Autumn Ridge Circle. And so it goes around in a big rectangle shape. So we're allowed to sort of go around the block, keeping six feet you know, minimum from mm-hmm. other neighbors that we see. But other than, you know, those little outings and maybe in the yard if it's not too cold or raining, um, I'm the one who's been doing the grocery runs. And I decided that um, we get up early. We're one of those households that our kids still wake up excruciatingly early. So by saying I'm going to the grocery store at 7 a.m., um, that's not even early in the morning to us. So, yeah. So by, you know, by 645, I'm in the car with a mask and, and rubber gloves and um, of course, reusable bags, and doing, as you said, as much as possible of a major, huge run because I'm there. And so there's limits on many items that we would normally stockpile, uh, regardless of a pandemic. And so there's limits on the number of frozen vegetable bags you can buy, limits on the number of, uh, you know, plant-based milks, things that, you know, we're constantly needing. And so I'll buy the limit. Um, I'm not hoarding. I'm not trying to take away from others, but I also don't want to go out uh, more than I need to. And it's turned out we really, you know, as far as those necessities go, we only make it one week. And so it seems like once a week now I'll be going out for these 7 a.m. runs, which feels, you know, I don't like doing it. I, I would be fearful of anything coming toward our house that was also being delivered. You know, at least this way we can isolate items that are coming in and put them off to a separate area to get sort of, you know, hosed down or whatever. So, you know, it's it's not ideal, but we have to have food. And so they've been going well. We've been lucky. Um, our local sort of version of Whole Foods is called Wegmans, and Wegmans is always well stocked. Um, we're able to get, you know, uh, nine out of 10 items every time. And, you know, just come home and, and carefully clean them off if they need to come in or let them sit in the garage for a day or two if they're just pantry items. So we're doing everything we can to, again, uh, not only flatten the curve, as in we don't want the virus to be bouncing around in our own world. We don't want to get sick. But we also don't want to make others sick by carrying it. So we're being very, very careful. And, you know, from there, you know, everybody's super excited when I get home because we suddenly have groceries. Um, you know, and then we just start meal planning, meaning, like you said, we make rice dishes, we make pasta dishes, we'll make, uh, if we have specialty items that are, they're vegan or, you know, things that we're looking forward to, we'll have those. And we're allowing ourselves these, you know, French fry in the air fryer moments and ice cream for dessert, which we normally wouldn't do. Just sort of like, again, realizing that everybody's under a tremendous, tremendous amount of, uh, stress right now. And we, we, we earned, (laughs) we earned these extras. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so just sort of switching gears a little bit, like how have you been talking to your kids about the coronavirus? And, you know, I know just all of us are sort of thinking like, you know, how and when is the best way to kind of 
um, generally speaking, to, to bring in like the connection with animal products. Um, they, um, that people that, there's people that kill animals. Those are, the, those guys are not good. And, and then, um, they didn't turn the virus from the animals that they kill. So they should stop killing animals. So, so they don't get coronavirus. Then I should play with Tacy and touch her. That's all. Yeah, we could. I could very quickly and easily answer that. We have not. Um, we haven't delved into sort of the cause of the virus or even sort of where it has spread from. Um, because we are so focused on one, two things, one of which is their academics, which, again, I feel very fortunate they're in first and kindergarten because it's not like they've got a rigorous, you know, academic oh, schedule. <laughs> yeah, it's very it's pretty simple math. Even I can do it. Um, <laughs> so there's that side of it is wanting to make sure that they've uh, staying focused on they have to do a certain amount of school hours in their day. That's first and foremost. And then secondary is social distancing, is letting them know why we're doing what we're doing. And they both understand that completely. And for me right now, um, as I said, a little more than two weeks into this, that's all I want. I just want them to know, you know, we're here to help them. Their teachers are doing what they can to make some curriculum available online. We have Zoom meetings with their teachers. We're doing everything we can to remind them that this isn't a vacation and that um, they are literally being, they're, they're part of history and doing what they can to make sure that this uh, virus doesn't spread um, more than it already is. So at some point, you know, maybe if you and I, or when you and I talk in a couple of weeks, um, we may have uh, talked a little bit more about the cause of this, but at this point, um, I'm taking what we can get in terms of their understanding and patience with what's happening. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's funny because like, I kind of feel like if they don't do great on the school I know, I, I know, right? Oh, because there's just other priorities. But, um, and I also do think like they're getting a lot of the play. You know, that's, I mean, just again, with their age, like it would be different if they were, you know, 15, teens. But yeah. I think there's a lot that they're getting out of play. I mean, we are kind of eking through the school stuff. And actually, my four year old's getting way better at reading. Um, there's, a, there's an app that, you know, if, if I just kind of need them to, uh, you know, I can give them a device and play this app, um, Teach Your Monster to Read, which we, it's a, one that we've played for a long time, but he's just been really into it. Um, it's just really good, and they, you know, can kind of parse out all the, it's basically a phonics app. Is that um, and kindergarten kind of like, and first grade level? Is it preschool? I think it will take you through, probably, yeah, it probably takes you through, like, preschool through maybe second grade level. Cool. I don't think it will get into like, it, it stops before like chapter book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, that's been nice. So there is some academic stuff and, you know, we are um, in, an, in a warm climate. So there's more sort of opportunities to do stuff outside while still social distancing, like four-year-old's been working on riding his bike, like even running him down the middle of the street. Um, so that's fun. Um, but on, on the virus side, like in terms of what the, cause stuff is and kind of how this relates to you know vegan ethics what i did was i let them watch that box video that eight minute video okay. have you seen that no i haven't that's a great tip thank you it's really good and it's really sort of just you know kind of a just the facts ma'am kind of even-handed like journalism 
I learned a lot from it, essentially like some of the social and political history that led to the wildlife trade in China. Um, what is the epi- epidemiological difference, um, you know, with adding additional species to the mix? But of course, you know, the, the creation of these kinds of viruses you know, it is very connected to intensive animal farming too. So, I mean, this one came, the, the best theory is it came from um, a, a live wildlife trade market in China, but, you know, many, most, as far as my best understanding of kind of looking into the science and, and listening to people who know far more about this than I do, is that, you know, they, they come from livestock. Most of these, like the, you know, the swine flu, um, you know, bird flu. They're, yeah. they're most of these viruses are coming from um, intensive animal agriculture. So, and of course, you've got other issues that would be also a possibility of having a big catastrophic impact like this, like things like antibiotic resistant um, bacteria and things like that. So, the the Vox piece I thought was really nice. Adults too. Like, I mean, certainly it, it's you know worth the eight minutes of your time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was a nice way to just sort of, you know, it's a video, so it's like visual, um, and it was just very educational with them. And and for after I they they watched it individually because they were just sort of bouncing around. And I was like, you want to watch this? Um, and my older one, a six-year-old, kind of said at the end, "Well, if I was the Chinese government," <laughs> <laughs> he said, "I would um, ban all wet markets, even the ones that there was no coronavirus, because they're." could be they could make one and the fact that he like the fact like these kinds of places could you know essentially cause another virus sure yeah um and the fact that he kind of got that like it kind of clicked for him i thought was really interesting um and then when the four-year-old watched it you know he was like you know to him it was kind of like well this is why people like you know shouldn't kill animals um so so, you know there's sort of an interesting connection here i mean we don't want to be hitting anybody over the head with stuff. I mean, obviously people are much more, um, you know, worried about the, the for good reason, like the, the immediate issues right, right in front of our faces. But in terms of kind of the vegan values, the animal ethics of all this, like, you know, I thought that was a nice piece to um, just kind of educate yeah. about it. Now, I don't, I'm not looking at the video right now, obviously, because we're talking, but at vox.com forward slash coronavirus dash COVID-19, there's just an absolute ton of resources um, about coronavirus explained, and I'm sure the video you're talking about is within this page, but it's definitely worth checking out. Just Google Vox coronavirus, and uh, you'll find what Cheryl's talking about, and I'll do that. I'll have our kids um, watch that, as again, we're filling <laughs> hours of a day with as much education, entertainment, food as possible, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, wh- one thing I keep kind of doing with them is saying, like, you know, how are you feeling about coronavirus? Um, it's been funny because a couple of times the four-year-old has said, well, I don't like it. Well, actually, I only like the one that closed my school. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, I don't. Uh, I, I think that's hilarious, but I think you're probably already feeling like your kids are as excited to go back to school as we are excited to have them go back to school. <laughs> you know, they'll look well, at us I like, what is going on? Know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he's so, like like I said, sort of social and, like, socially motivated. I mean, the four-year-old's also, like, very social. Like, he misses his friends and, he, you know, there's... But 
he can just be in his own head. And, you know, what I was actually just kind of heavy yesterday, it's like an extended, like, dream state yeah. with him. Like, there's no structure. There's no responsibility. Like, normally you would have something that kind of inhibits those, like, just dream of consciousness things. But, like, he says the craziest stuff, and he goes off into the longest, like, stories and imagination and tangents. And, like, you know, he's bouncing off the walls and, like, just doing and saying stuff that, like, normally you would get, like, such a smaller percentage of his day out of that. You know that feeling? Like, it's almost like when you're, like, a kid and you're at, like, a, like a sleepover and you're, like, overtired and hyper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, you You're just, right. <laughs> They're living in a constant state of euphoria, and but they don't know why. <laughs> so, so give give you a little. No inhibiting like factors involved at all. Right, give you a little sense of what's happened just here during your your uh, when you were just talking. So apparently they were playing hide and go seek, and Cooper came all the way downstairs, hid in a corner. There's like a little tent, you know, kids' indoor tent behind me, hid in the tent the whole time but they weren't looking for him. <laughs> so that's kind of one of those games where, wait a second, can we le- just let him go somewhere for five or 10 minutes to get some quiet? Um, so, well, this, you know, this has been, um, I hope helpful for the listeners on some level to know that they're not alone in all of this. Um, and that, um, you know, you can find out more about Animal Outlook at animaloutlook.org. Um, a lot of what, as Cheryl said in the beginning of the episode, um, our organization continues to do um, for farmed animals and, um, you know, other resources at places like triveg.com. You can get some recipes there. You know, there's a lot of resources online. There's other podcasts, of course, that I think people would find interesting or helpful to get through this. These apps um, that you talk, you know, you talked about one app. We're also looking at many, many different educational apps like ABC Mouse is one of them. There's some things, oh, yeah. some things we've downloaded that they find a lot of fun. Um, there's been links that have been sent to us by their teachers. Those, again, are all with the caveat that you have a computer and you have Internet. I think so much about the people who aren't fortunate enough to, to have technology on their side. So, uh, as oh, you said... Well, wait, just something. I just said that on the app. Yep. For those who do have phones or devices or whatever, there's a couple, that, a couple sort of activities that we've been liking doing. Um, there's an app called... Seek, I think, maybe I seek, um, which is a, um, it's like, it's like one of those apps that can tell you what song is playing only for like living things. So like plants and animals. So if you go back in your backyard, you have the app on and you take a picture of like a tree back there or a bug or something like it will, um, Try to, it'll tell you like what species it thinks it is and if we can't figure out the species it'll be like we think this is the class whatever um so like you know like four-year-old like, camera skills were not super good <laughs> and I decided to take a picture of like a dog's butt and it was like we think this is a mammal <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> my gosh like they can just kind of you know wander around the yard and and do that activity that's pretty fun um and then yeah it's called seek s-e-e-k and then um, they, they've they also been liking the astronauts read stories from space. Oh, cool. Like, that's pretty fun. Um, and, you know, they, they some of the stories are, like, good educational stories, but some of it's just, like, the novelty of, like, they're in space reading a story. I don't know yeah, how yeah, right. space things are, but especially my four-year-old is really, really into it. Um, and then Mo Willems is doing a yes. daily, like, 
doodle. That's pretty fun. That's awesome. His books are incredible. Um, yeah, there's a lot out there. And again, if this were, you know, immediately, if our podcast were immediately connected to a website, I would say we'll post some links to things like that. But we're always looking for new ideas. We're looking for other resources. You can always reach out to us at veganfamily at triveg.com. Um, I want to uh, say hang in there, Cheryl. You're doing great, you know, uh, patting each other on the back. This you isn't too. easy. Stay healthy, stay sane. Yes. You know, just kind of day by day. All right. Well, uh, until next time, uh, Vegan Family Podcast, have a great afternoon or rest of your day, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in to Animal Outlook's Vegan Family Podcast. Have episode ideas or questions about going vegan? Email us at goveganatriveg.com.